Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for the Queen Stage of the Giro d'Italia. Stage 19, the hardest race in terms of the parkour before the mountain time trial tomorrow. And it goes as follows. 183 kilometers from Longarone, deep into the Dolomites with a false flat uphill for about 65 kilometers before a couple of warm-up 4K 7% climbs. The first real climb of the day with Cat 1 points on offer is the Paso Valparola, 14Ks, 5.5%, but the steeper last 4Ks, descent, and then the Paso Jao, one of the hardest climbs on the World Tour circuit, 10Ks, 9.3% to 2,200 meters. Very, very steep. Descent into Cortina d'Ampezzo, then the Tre Jimmy di Lavaredo, which includes 8.8Ks at 7% steady, the Tre Croci, then a short sort of rolling section, and then they start uh, Tre Cime, which is the last three Ks at over 12% average grade. It was pinches steeper than that. So a very hard stage, Benji, but also very similar to Fadaya last year, where mm-hmm. it's quite a hard stage before, but ultimately still a 15-minute-plus kilo wall right at the end. Exactly. Last year, Fedaya, we saw the action wait completely until the last climb. When we saw the parkour when it came out, I think uh, nearly a year ago at this point, probably in December, that's not a year ago, but I'll take it anyway. We saw that parkour and we said, there's a danger that we will only see action on the last climb because the good parkours are the profiles where the hardest climb is the second last climb. Because then you see action happening on the second last climb because the riders are incentivized to attack there to make differences. Going into today's stage, we had a GC that was not very incentivizing for major moves, so like from three climbs from the finish line and so forth, but maybe for some small moves here and there. But I feel like this profile did hinder that in some sense. And also the fact that tomorrow is the brutal Montelusati time trial, which also has an effect there. Because the riders will be like, if I go all out today, I might miss out on those three, one half percentage that I will need tomorrow to compete for the victory. And those three teams that were in the lead of GC, well, they're not all three in the lead of GC, but the one, two, three was Thomas Droglic and Almeida. Thomas in the lead, he's going to play defensive. We know that going into the stage, we said maybe counter at the end. If he sees a weakness on the last climb, try and counter the others. If we take a look at Droglic's team, Jumbo Visma, shockingly, still have all their riders because at the start of this race we basically saw them switch around riders 10 times in three days before the race started and then it's one of the only teams that still has their their majority of their team left if if not all of their team left so that's a strong team in that sense in terms of numbers while UAE has been seen to be a strong team when it comes to the strength of the riders Vine, McNulty and so forth have been pretty strong in certain days throughout this race but the factor there is Roglic has seen some weakness four days ago. Almeida has seen some weakness one day ago. They're both probably like, oh, do we want to risk going so far, knowing that we were only 20 seconds and 40 seconds behind? 
I feel like UAE is more likely to make that move than a, an early move to do an all or nothing move. Almeida's basically two minutes 20 before the next rider in GC. And the other factor is that Almeida's also happy with a podium, I think, coming out of this Giro, knowing that he had a sixth position and a fourth position. But anyway, we've set the scene. We've set the scene for an amazing stage on paper. What could be an amazing stage on paper if everything falls right? And we'll see if it falls right now. But um, shall we jump into the, the breakaway formation first? Well, I mean, thinking of the three big teams, you look at Yumbo. Yeah, they got the most riders, but they took up Bondone on stage 16, made that a really hard stage. Yeah. Rog got dropped. Yeah. So uh, people really need to look at not all climbs are created equally because there's yeah. a lot of discourse. Rog was bad on Tuesday. Rog was better on yesterday. It's like, well, maybe, maybe the climb yesterday suited him more. And maybe Paso Jao suits Almeida more. It's even named after him. So, and then Thomas, they probably, yeah, they'll just grind it out and hope that, I mean, maybe they got the maths right. I mean, if, if Roglic didn't drop Thomas yesterday, then will he put 30 seconds into him fresh on a wall in the TT? I don't know. Um, it's a risk. <laughs> Like it is a risk as well to not attack too much or or try anything. But yeah, break for I thought I thought no one would try anything. I think mm-hmm. everyone got scared by the Roglic bluff yesterday, which wasn't really a yeah. bluff. He literally was just asleep. Sebku said on the climb, and then when he went, they went on the climb. Then was like, everyone's like, oh, you know, there's some mystery here, and so then I think that completely freaked out Almeida. And he yeah. was never. They were never going to pace after that. And then, yeah, Ineos will just choo choo. So, but yeah, I thought there could be Okathi DNF'd, but would abandon before the stage. I thought he was going to be someone in the break. Uh, but I was actually on the bike myself, Benji. So, can you run us through break formation? I want to know if Rubio and the like tried. Oh, Van Wilder, who I picked for the stage, they even try to jump in. Well, about that, let's talk about something else first, because what matters for formation is what mattered yesterday as well which was the KOM standings coming into the stage after the Valde Zoldo climb yesterday we had a KOM standings where Thibaut Pinot was in the lead with 227 points and Hillian second on 164 so pretty solid gap if my math is right 63 points of difference let's just throw the others away irrelevant for the standings because the action between those two in the stage was absolutely magnificent probably probably the best part of the stage was the quarrels between Healy and Pinot on certain sections of this race. But in the breakaway from they were not that visible. I feel like Healy wasn't going in the break as much as he tried yesterday on the flat section. And that was visible. We did see so much times where he was trying to follow like a group, but he wasn't necessarily trying to force it in the same way as he did before. While Pinot was on his wheel the entire bloody time. Pinot was in the wheel of Ben Healy, which it works, eh? Like... If you're in the wheel, then it's going to be hard to get dropped by Van Healy. And that's what we saw. And we saw certain moves by, by Betiel, for example, and the F-Rider to try and go ahead. And then he realized, okay, what now? I'm now ahead, but Healy's not with me. So what's the point of me being a tug buddy without the actual... What is the, what is the companion of a tug buddy? Uh, the boat. The little boat. The boat? <laughs> yeah, the little boat. Little dinghy. So he missed this boat. He was in the tug buddy formation, but he missed this boat which was 
Ben Healy. Anyway, other riders tried to go in the breakaway left and right, but it was the self-neutralizing interest of everybody trying to go in the break that made it very difficult, combined with the GC teams having trouble in doing so. Because Jumbo tried to get people in the breakaway, from what I could tell, which the likes of Hesmon, the likes of Orman trying to get ahead and so forth, but I felt like some were better at doing that than others. Because, for example, Orman at a certain point was like closing down a single solo breakaway of Lauren's Rex, not necessarily making any gaps on people behind him, was because it was like a, a gradual pace. So it felt like you were yeah. just crawling back Lauren's Rex instead of trying to get in the breakaway, which at that point you're like, is Yambo trying to make this? They start hard, but why would they do that? Are they just not trying to get in the breakaway? But then Hesmon made it clear by trying to get in breakaways that they were trying to get ahead. But next to that, UAE seemed responsive to Yambo Visma. And this I don't get. This I don't get because we see Yambo Visma rider go in the breakaway, a group forms, UAE rider jumps to it, tries to close it. Sometimes a group even existed with like 30 riders, probably 20 riders, but I like to exaggerate here, with three riders of Yambo Visma and three riders of UAE responding to that. A rider of Ineos here and there as well. And obviously Ineos doesn't want that, so then they close that down. But what do you think of UE trying to close down Yumbo moves here? I thought they should have been jumping in. If you're the mm -hmm. based, I mean, if I was UAE, I would have paced Paso Jao full gas with Vine or McNulty. And I would have tried to have Formula or Ulysse in the valley afterwards. Because yeah. that's how you win the Giro, right? I mean, you got to try something like that. There's no way if you just walk to the base of, and I know they didn't walk, it was a hard day, but they went, this GC group today went as slow as could Me. have ever been conceivably done before the base of Trey Chimi. I'm not being me, I'm just saying the reality. Like yeah, the yeah. organizers never expected them to go this slow before Trey Chimi. Based on yesterday, if you walk to the base of that in your Almeida, <laughs> it dropped so i was surprised yeah um but in the end no one it was kind of a weird break benji because there's yeah there's war bass but yeah. there's no there's no climbers <laughs> there's only <laughs> 70 it's no offense to the other guys in there and maybe g is can climb well but there's no yeah there's no rubio no cepeda no no climbers like i feel like they tried once or twice to get yeah. in it but the problem is they're also trying to do so in the flat, and I think that hindered them getting in the breakaway too much. We saw rulers having the advantage of getting in the breakaway, and we see that with Ajazer with three riders, Podom, Warbass, and Baudet. Then we see Oldani for uh, Albusin. We see Pronsky for Astana, Butrago, like you mentioned, Santi in there for Bahrain, Konrad in there for Bora, Magnus Kort for EF. He kind of tried after Healy fell to get up there. Baez Gaburo, G once again for Israel. Rojas Verona. Verona's a climber, but something will happen throughout the parkour that makes him not that competitive for this stage. I'll talk about it later. Stoinich and Hepburn, who, who will climb better than I expected. I'll spoil that already because yeah. that man was on fire today. But then we get to, to the first climb. I think it is the Valparola. Yeah. Yes. We see Healy attacking from halfway to Peloton with Go. the gap to the break. We're already being five minutes. And we see. Five seconds later, response by Jake Stewart with Pinot in the wheel, getting to the front of the group, starting to pace. And this is, this is by far the best part of the stage. Yeah. Like, this was hilarious. We see Healy like 50 meters ahead of the group, 
Jake Stewart giving his all to try and close that down. Pinot in the wheel, then eventually Jake Stewart goes out the front. Pinot has to go himself, but then, then Ineos has to speed up because Pinot's closing GC and they don't want him to be in the breakaway. Then we see the peloton divide in two pieces. So half of the peloton is suddenly gone because of that <laughs> speed up. All because Healy made a, an impossible move to try and bridge five minutes to the front he done to it. get Pinot out of his out of his hole and. Eventually, Pino ends up catching Healy, which strong performance, to be honest, to be able to catch Healy when he was going pretty all out at that point. He gets to him and he, they kind of stop, kind of stop, go back to the peloton. And Salvatore Puccio, pacing Frenos, is like, what the fuck, dudes? <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> but that's not the only time, because then we get five to ten minutes further, and I was hoping for it, and Healy does it again. Pino now, much quicker response. And this is where the funny part happens, where they come back to the peloton once again. Pucho is like complaining to them. Like, to be honest, at this point, shut up, Pucho. Like, I understand that you don't want to pace harder, but they've got the right to attack Dude, at this just point. Just don't then. chase Pino. Like, why is. <laughs> yeah. This is just a thing. Yumbo chasing Haig. Like, can we just stop? Like, you have 0.5 watts per kilo difference for, your, for G versus the guy on the final climb. Just relax. Like he's not a threat. You don't just, you know what? If he goes up the road on his own, simply don't pace harder. Yeah. Here's your answer. Incredible. Like he might bridge to the break over the, over the course of three climbs. <laughs> yeah, three hours. <laughs> It'll be Which far. is going to cost them a lot of energy to do so. And might be funny for us. But then they get back to the peloton, like I said, and Dennis is like the, the funniest reaction of them all because he's like straight up laughing at them. But in a good way, he's like, come on, Healy, do it again. Come on, man. He's like, he's like stirring him up to do it again. And I don't know, Healy's reactions to Pucho complaining, laughing in his face. This was, this was a glorious moment in the race. But I agree, there was no point in Ineos really hunting down, you know, that fast necessarily. But his breakaway continues and the peloton continues. And we slowly move towards the Paso Jao with nothing happening left well, and right it, it except becomes, for... On, on Valparola, it becomes very clear that Ineos have no interest in the stage, which... Yeah. And also no other UAE and Yumbo don't come up to put the stage really into play. And it, have we done the full break? Um, yeah. We've said everyone in there. Okay, good. G's in there somehow. Um, and also, he was like 200 to 1 for the stage. It was crazy. And then he's looking like second favorite in it. It gets to eight minutes. I don't know, maybe the top of Valparola and then mm -hmm. Jayco's pace the descent of Valparola a bit quicker than Ineos wanted to. Ineos, by the way, they use Aaronsman to pace the descents. He's their best descender in this race. He's a very, very good descender uh, and deplus most of the uphills. So Jayco want that gap below eight minutes. And once it goes yep. below eight minutes, they then stop, which I think is fine. Because oh, Sorry, because Butrago was in the break threatening Dunbar's fourth on GC, but not really threatening it. I mean, maybe they just wanted to be, I don't know. Anyway, the gap's now like 6.30 and it stays, it stays locked at 6.30. Pretty much all of Paso Zhao. And then uh, who paces Zhao? Swift and Pucho in the peloton? Yep. Pucho and Swift. Swift first, then Pucho. But in the meanwhile, in the breakaway, something does happen on one of the descents where Verona gets hit by the team car of Aja Desert according to Alberto Contador, who was on the motorbike. And that's why Verona ended up crashing. And that's probably why Verona's not competing for the stage at the end of this race, which is really unfortunate because 
you've been asking for Verona to be freed so many times, and when he's then looking at a potential stage win, he gets hit by the Ajax Air car in a in a descent. This car was ex excluded from the race, so I'm guessing they have a car less tomorrow. I just then again, they can use van. No, they can't use vans because it's motorbikes of the one to Lusari. So they didn't even need the car tomorrow. <laughs> But yeah, anyway. Well, there's my yeah, motorbikes or whatever. And uh, by the way, have we heard anything about that? Well, in the preview, I've not, not heard any confirmation of the logistics tomorrow. So maybe expect a disaster 50 50. Anyway, we know the break is going to win. No one's paced Jow. The group is huge. Yumbo have not taken it up. And that means with the group being so big, you're not going to split it on Paso Trey Crotchy. It's a medium mountain no. 20 minute 7% climb. You're not going to drop people on serious people on that climb either and now santi's in a bit of a predicament he's got no teammates there's hepburn and other rulers who are looking at him like i don't really feel like going to a three kilometer 13 percent wall to altitude with you yeah. with 57 kilos from columbia and hepburn has probably one of his best ever days on the bike jaco absolutely flying they won with zana yesterday he attacks a little bit on Zhao. Groups are formed with Santi. There's a group off the back with Conrad. Uh, but eventually, who's the main, the main break going into the base of... Uh, someone attacks well, on Trey Croce. I, G and other rulers were trying to test Santi, and Santi never panicked. He never panicked, and he kind of lets themselves solve it. At certain points, he was pacing behind to try and close down the gaps that were made by rulers trying to get up the road, but he always responds in a, in a well-timed manner where he's not the first one to respond. He's like the, the third or the fourth person to try and close down a ruler. And that way, he's kind of always up there. But I felt like going into Trecroci, the break has kind of reformed again because there were only like four to five riders over the top of Paso Jao. And then we've got seven riders at the bottom of the descent again. I feel like Utrago, Court, G, Verona, Hepburn... Maybe Pronsky and Prodom came back. I'm not 100% certain about that. I think Konrad even came back going into yeah. the bottom of Trekrachi. So it was a larger group again. But then again, we do see moves again. We see Verona trying to get up the road, who is clearly injured, but that backfires quickly. Hepburn trying to get up the road, who sustains a bit longer, but that, that kind of backfires as well. And I'd argue that we really get someone going up the road a bit later and I can't tell if this was towards the end of Trecroci or even at the start of Trecime already, where we saw Derek G get on a bit of a gap. He got a bit of a lead. It was just over the top of Trecroci, and it's a smart move because there's a rolling plateau with mostly shallow gradients, and by shallow I mean below 7%, and Santi just doesn't react. He drops Hepburn yeah. at the end of Trecroci. He's like... I can give this guy some leash. Physics are usually undefeated in cycling, except in when Indurain was racing. And 75 kilo G, no matter what form he's on, on 13% for three kilometers for 15 minutes, Santi's going to pull back a minute, 40 seconds, whatever, no problem. So he just keeps him in sight. He's even, he's talking to the car, the car's talking to him. He seems very relaxed. And to be honest, I was happy for G and, it meant he was going to get second on the stage at least, but I just knew that because <laughs> he was already, the minute they hit the wall, he hit the wall, he's almost parkedgeoing. It's so steep, and Santi just has such a big advantage. Um, but do you think Santi was dangling him, or do you think he 
just took all that time to get back to the wheel. I think he was dangling him because when he got back to his wheel yeah. and then hit him, he gap he put such a big gap on him. Exactly. I feel like he was dangling him, but also he's kind of playing calculated eh? because he knows that he's better on the steeper portion. The steeper portions come toward the end of the stage. So I feel like he was partially waiting on that, partially keeping him in front of him. But like the second that he caught him and just jumped away from him, I was like, okay, Derek G, this is the end. But all the power to Derek G, who in all honesty, he ends up coming second. Of course, Hutrago ends up winning the stage from this point onwards which is once again winning a Giro stage. Last year won a Giro stage. This year wins a Giro stage. I wonder what the next step is for Butrago because he's kind of stuck on that stage win step right now with a potential chance to get a, a top 15, maybe a late top 10 through breakaways in the final week of a Grand Tour. Climbing domestic, Coos Light. Okay. Coos Light. Colombian Coos. Yeah. But Derek G, look at his bloody Palmares this week. Like this, this month. He's got second on stage eight, second on stage 10, fourth on stage 13, second on stage 14, fourth on stage 18, second on stage 19, six times top five, four times second. That is, that is insane. And that's 100% super combativity because compared to a Thomas Champion who is at, at the lead of the, of the Fuga classification, the amount of kilometers ahead, she is doing it in competitive stages where he is actually competitive for the stage win. And that's yeah. so much more worthy. Because he's also going for the KOM points for the intermediate sprints throughout the races. And he's pulling the brakes too much. Exactly. Yeah, 100%. What a performance by this guy. Yeah, unreal. And he's contracted with Israel through end of 2025. So the Israel Young Corps looked really good this race. They've got to be happy. And the UCI points haul that they've pulled in has been unbelievable as well. So I'm glad those rule changes happened. But yeah, Santi goes past. Big stage win for him. Lucha Herrera, the last Colombian, also won on Trey Chimi. And G second, caught third from the break. G was put on 50 seconds. So Santi uh, did, yeah, he, um, <laughs> he put him to the sword, which is, but I think G couldn't really have done much too differently. Uh, all he maybe needed was a companion yep. or uh, like Hepburn tried to the best of his abilities. Uh, but yeah, I mean, what a year from Santi and though. Like third in the age, people forget. He already. Yeah. Podium the monument this year. Uh, he's, the problem is his TT is dog water, um, but that's also a Bahrain issue. Um, would you do you rather have? Oh God, Sivakov or Santi? Ooh, that's an interesting one. It's very yeah. I think I a different. I think I'd rather have Santi because with Sivakov, I kind of feel like the the potential has been reached. While with Santi, I mean, Dunbar's. I'm like, I'm sorry? Dunbar, I mean, we'll get to that theory in the off-season, the do Ineos, <laughs> like I was wrong about Dunbar because I gave Ineos a lot of credit. Um, sorry, yeah. It's, it's a difficult one. He's a difficult rider place, as you said, because what is he? Is GC ever realistic in the 20, you know, now, if your TT is so bad, and I don't think moving teams would suddenly make him a world beater. Anyway, we should move yeah, to but GC. When it comes to GC, when it comes to Butrago, it's like, will he ever be at a level where he can counterbalance the, the clear benefit that TT-driven GC riders have now? And I'm like, I don't see that. So that's why I'm stuck on that. That's why Kuss is not on that level for me. That's why Kuss is not a GC rider. GC Kuss doesn't exist for me because his TT is dog water. I actually so, believe Kuss could have won this Giro. Okay. I'm 
I know, but I really believe it. Anyway, we should move to the actual GC action. Nothing happens on Jao. Trey Croce, Ineos start to wind it up like they did on the Chibata climb yesterday with Pluski. He he really works into it. So he like yeah. it starts, you see Akamun or whoever dropping, and then he starts to really there's no you don't see any change. All of a sudden, more serious people are getting dropped. And you know, they're trying to put in some they went pretty fast on Trey Croce, but at the base we also see Roglic. So there was an interview with Contador, with I think uh, it was either Engels or Arthur uh, Van Donger mm-hmm. from Yumbo saying, "Are you gonna? There's rumors that you got this dinner plate cassette on a road bike. Is he about to use that?" <laughs> and I think it might have been Arthur was like, "No, <laughs> it's for tomorrow." And then we see at the base of Trey Crotchy, Roglic is changing bike to this mate. Is it now? It's ad? half a minute later. Do you reckon it's an ad from Shram? I don't know if it's an ad from Shram, but it's also, isn't it also kind of logical that a gear that like a wider gear set will allow you to be better on steeper gradients, but then you're but thinking these guys like, do, they do they 450 have, watts. <laughs> yeah, like it's not me. The, there must have been someone in the past that already thought about, oh, I'll take a, I'll take a wider gear ratio to be able to do this, but room maybe. Anyway, we we see him change bike. We I start thinking, is there an unwritten rule about attacking people that voluntarily change their bike? Absolutely I'm like, not. Ineos, Ineos should have sent it. Fire it. But then again, they don't know it's voluntarily, right? Is it? Is it? It's also cheating? happening so fast, and he's got Bowman back there pacing eh. with him. Yeah. Is it cheating if you don't tell Ineos and UAE? That it's not a voluntary bike change. Oh, well, that's up to them to know. <laughs> but yeah, Rollins changes bike. He's got this dinner plate cassette on the back. It's like a gravel rear derailleur. They had to change the rear derailleur. It's a one by on front. So there's no weight penalty, um, I believe, because yes, the mm-hmm. cassette is heavier, but you don't have the two chain rings on front. Now, yeah. the question I would have is that chain is going to have to be very fucking big. And we're not at the 13% ramps yet. So there is a lot of riding still to do on 7%, on downhill, on flat, on 2%, where these guys are going 40 kph plus. And so you're going to have this really loose chain with a lot of chain, a lack of tension, and you're going to do all that before Trey Chimmy. So how many watts does that lose? I don't know, because I actually don't know anything about that stuff. But it's just something that came up to me. Um, but yeah, also it was starting to get wet. If, if it is wet, on those steep gradients, you really do want the bigger gears so you don't what spike out of the saddle because so you can spin in the saddle and keep consistent traction on the rear wheel. But yeah, um, I, I thought if Roglic win, like, puts 20 seconds in or loses 20 seconds, it'll be like the Moritz dropper post. It's like, you know, anyway, he gets back in. Trey Crotchy was done pretty hard. No one's dropped except um, Omen and co. Dennis is there with Koos. Bowman comes back on the descent. Rolich is back in position. Almeida, though, is looking forlorn, Benji. Vine dropped, I think, on quite early, and it was just Trikrochi. Because, like, there was this tiny section on Trikrochi, like, I'd say seven seconds in total, where there was a hailstorm, <laughs> and then it was gone. <laughs> so it was pretty, pretty crazy to see. But the riders come out of it, and Vine is gone. So. Maybe it's something with Australians. Maybe Australians just don't like rain, and the second that the rain hits, they're like gone. 
Can you confirm? I actually don't like the heat so much. Uh, Vine's from Canberra. Shocking. He's from used to riding in cold conditions. He might have just had an off day. Um, okay. But anyway, only McNulty there. And let's be honest about it. McNulty disappears yeah. pretty instantly as well on the later section. So he didn't come in too handy either. And when it comes to the rest, we're getting to the Trichimili Lavaredo, the fake news climb. First section, not that steep, but the last portion is the wall, the pure wall to the finish line. And we see this pissing contest at the start of the wall between the plus and Rohan Dennis, who moves up. And I'm like, what are these two doing? Because Thomas <laughs> is even leaving a gap behind Dynansman yeah. because they're going too fast trying to half-wheel each other. Dennis kind of baited them. Happening? He kind of baited them to do above because they were riding to a, a plan and a yeah. threshold. Uh, a, a what's, whatever what's they were supposed to do. And yeah, Thomas is like, why are you following Dennis? Like, Rog is not in his <laughs> wheel. And this was on a, I swear, this is on a little pickup. Yeah. And then it flattens out a little bit. And then it, it really goes up again. And so Thomas, all the series, like Roglic and Thomas are not moving here. And then yep. all of a sudden, Aaronsman jumps really hard, gets a gap to Thomas' back wheel. And I was thinking, is Thomas bad? Or is Aaronsman Reverse just... Reverse lead out. I, that is actually what I thought. That is yeah. actually what I thought. I thought, because I, Thomas is good, and he, and he has looked the best. Except maybe Bondani. Um, <laughs> he's looked the best throughout the, the whole week. I thought, are they going to have Aronson just go 30 meters, dangle, and then finally have Thomas attack and, and have him do that and really test Roglic? Uh, in the end, I think it was just Aronson getting overexcited because Zana goes up, Dunbar moves up here. When, by the way, we're not on the 3K section yet. And this is another Dunbar era where I think he just gets a little bit... Like, if, if you're Dunbar... And Roglic yeah. isn't moving, and Thomas aren't moving, sit on their wheel. It's, it's yeah. fine. The race will, they are in control. Do not go ahead of them and spike your watts. But then it happens. Then we get to the, the actual steep portion where I'm like, this is where shit's about to go down. And we see the plus kind of parkejo where you said Ardensman went. But once we get to Ardensman pacing for Thomas, we have this moment where Almeida moves to the front, and I'm like, he's putting in his glorious attack. He heard my prediction yesterday. He heard that I quadrupled down. He heard that I'm here supporting him win this Giro d'Italia. <laughs> and he starts pacing a tiny bit harder than Arensbahn. And I was like, why? Why are you doing this? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, maybe he was just trying to feign strength, and this is all a big pissing contest. In the end, De Plus comes back. We see Thomas on the radio. And De Plus paces and no one else gets dropped. Van Wilder's hanging on. Pino's hanging on. Zana's there. And I was like, nothing's happening. 1.8 Ks to go. Nothing's happening. The American Eagle Coos is talking to Roglic. He doesn't move up and pace. Roglic is just sitting there. Eventually, we're now deep into the final climb. Maybe seven, eight minutes in. And it's been Aaron's been pacing. And it's really like... No one else has been getting dropped. It must have been a good pace from De Plus, though. Almeida kind of does his, like his first Bondoni attack. It was yep. his surge. It was an attack, right? Mate, I just declared it as like him pacing a tiny bit harder than Aronsman. So I think it's like a, a, an, a, an attack with quotes around it. <laughs> That's how I describe this because this didn't look like an attack. He was just no. pacing in. I don't know, he, 
He's still there ahead of, ahead of Thomas. And while that is happening, we see Roglic on the left side of him moving up. And that's an attack. That's what we call an yeah. actual attack. Proper separation. Trying to properly get a gap on the others. And Thomas gets past Almeida to close down Roglic. So easy. Easily closes Primoz. Yeah. Almeida does not easily close Primoz and does not easily close Thomas and kind of dangles behind again for like 15, 20, 20 meters roughly. And we get this moment where we have two riders up front, the two strongest GC riders in this race. I'm sorry, Joao, but you've proven that, that even though you go over your, your named clan, the Passo Joao, that you're not actually in those top division at the moment. You're like a tiny bit worse, I'm afraid. And it kind of, I don't know, the, they didn't work together, obviously, Roglic and Thomas. and Almeida is able to pace back, basically. And then and we got this... There's a weird conversation between him yeah. and Roglic. What was that about? I have no clue what you're referring to, so I don't know. Almeida spoke to Roglic when he came back. Spoke, turned his head, spoke to him. Roglic kind of nodded, and Almeida went to the front and started pacing. And I swear Almeida was... Yeah, I, I swear this happened in the last K, when Almeida came back. They were is talking. Almeida secretly Slovenian? No, I think he was like, if I pace, will you not attack me again? Can we just roll over the line together? And I was like, yeah, sure. Um, anyway, G eventually counters. And this is why it's different to yesterday. Roglic yesterday rode to the line with G and his wheel full gas to put 20 into Almeida. Today he has to gain time on Thomas. And so G finally attacks Benji. I love He's, it. Yeah, he attacks. And I, I love it because... He was yeah, putting, go ahead. Oh, I think if G goes earlier, he yeah. drops Roglic for good and puts really? more. Yeah, I think if he was able to, I think, I think G almost <laughs> waited a bit too long. Man, that's a big if. If he was able to, <laughs> uh, he closed <laughs> him so easily. That's true. And anyway, he's putting Roglic on a gap. It looks like Roglic is sprinting back to his wheel. Suddenly, the camera angle shows Derek G. It goes back. Roglic is not at the wheel. In fact, the gap is extended. We're like, holy shit. Thomas is going to put in another 10, 11 seconds. The Giro's finished. He is going to walk this. And then all of a sudden, Roglic puts on the turbo and does his last 200-meter sprint and gets back to Thomas' wheel and then Crazy. drops Thomas and sprints past him and gets to nearly goes past Court, which would have got him four bonus seconds. And because he gets to Court's back wheel as Court comes O-line third, he gets credited with three seconds, despite really it being one and a half on the road. I don't really know how the rules work. And yeah, that last 500 meters was <laughs> bizarre. Um, it's kind of like Remco on low port against Roglic, actually. It was. It was super weird. And the weirdest part about it is that with his fucking new gear ratio, you'd expect that. Rogic will be better on the steepest part and attack Thomas on the steepest part. He did on the steeper part earlier, but then, he, then he's actually getting that second wind on the flatter part to the finish line to pass Thomas again. And I was ready. The second that Thomas had the gap on Rogic, I was ready to type it, to, to, to say to everybody in the world to shout it from the rooftops. Thomas is the strongest rider in this race because he dropped someone for once. Because so far in this race, he has not been able to do that. And then Rogic comes around and now I cannot say that. Thomas is the strongest rider in the race. I can't say that Roglic is the strongest rider in the race either because he was nah, dropped the Thomas other day. Almeida's clearly not the strongest <laughs> rider in this race. But what is certain is that Thomas is the most consistent one. But I, I feel like I want to see him drop somebody before I can say he's like notably the strongest rider in the race. 
I mean, this is the thing. Roglic won Vuelta 21 on Bonies or 2020. Boss on Brony, no bonus seconds. Stage, the other punchy stage, or I can't remember, Campo Imperatore, they didn't go for it. They didn't chase that weak break. Because, yeah. and I don't think G's taking bonus seconds against Remco and Roglic on that finish in the sprint. He hasn't shown that. And then, so he's not taken all his customary bonus seconds. And then, so G really hasn't had to attack. Um, he did try today at the end, and it might have actually cost him. I think it did cost him three seconds. If he didn't attack, he doesn't get dropped. Even, or doesn't lose any time. Anyway, yep. Roglic rolls over the line, three seconds ahead of him, 13 seconds ahead of Almeida, who loses uh, more time. No, more than that, 23 seconds ahead of he's Almeida. He's sandbagging, my dude. Almeida. Yeah, he's doing it on purpose to strike tomorrow. Come on. No, 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 no they just fine. fucked up the stage. Um, <laughs> I think, to be honest. Like, it turned into a, like it turned into a very yeah. similar stage to yesterday, actually, uh, where he struck. Like, I agree with you because on Monte Bondoni, that's a, a stage with so many kilojoules before the final climb, so so much energy expenditure before the final climb because the tempo was set by Yumbo, put in pressure on other teams, and they come to that climb, one of the most uh, historically probably the highest kilojoules that I've seen in the last few years. I'm gonna guess, based on how much I would expect that to be, and then. Then Almeida is one of the strongest riders on that climb. And then we get to yesterday, which was a easier stage between quotes because it's still not easy. It's harder than we initially expected, but I'm going to say, like, the energy expenditure before the final climbs was definitely not the same as the Monte no. Bondone stage, eh? But that being said, didn't Almeida also say that he was not feeling his best yesterday yeah. morning? Or He never lies. Like, he tells you in the interviews before the stage, he'll just tell you, <laughs> whether he's going to drop or not. It's brilliant. Um, anyway, here's the revised GC going into the final TT. Thomas leading Roglic by 26 seconds. Almeida third on 59. So he's now a, a minute off G, basically, and half a minute off Roglic plus. Caruso moves up because Dunbar uh, lost a lot of time on this finish. Caruso's now into fourth on 4.11. Dunbar's on 4.53. Pino's breathing down his neck on 5.10, as well as Aronsman on 5.13 moves up two spots because he finished in the Almeida-Caruso group today. Kamnad lost a lot of time. He moves to eighth on 5.54. Lechnersund still in the top 10, by the way, on 6.08. And, Crazy. And he'll, he'll stay there as well. And um, De Plus is in 10th on 7.30. He should also stay there. So... The real gaps now are obviously for the win, the podium is still all within a minute of each other, those three. And then from fourth to eighth, Caruso, Dunbar, Pino, Aronsman, Kamna are all within a minute and a half of each other from 4.11 to 5.54. So there could be a lot of shuffling from fourth to eighth. Lechnerson, I don't see leapfrogging. I think Legnison and De Plus will stay where they are in uh, GC positions. So still all to play for tomorrow. And the, tomorrow's TT, to remind you, if it does happen, 20Ks or so from Tarvisio to Monte Lusari, which is near the Slovenian border. It's a monastery. 10.5Ks of basically, it's not flat. It actually is like some up and down. 
Um, it just doesn't look like a climb, but there is actually climbing in the first 10 and a half Ks. Uh, and then they just start the Monte Lusari, which is a climb in two parts. There is, it's 7.8 Ks, 11.2% average, which is absurd. But then you realize the first K is 7%. And then kilometer two, 13 and a half, kilometer three, 16 and a half, then 15, then 18 and a half <laughs> for the fifth K before it levels off 5%, 9%, 5%. So the last three Ks are still climbing, but not as hard. And, and we've seen footage of this. Uh, Hague Condit last uh, autumn. The road is like a, it's not a real road surface. It's like a grid with the corrugations in it. Big pinches. What do you think happens, Benji? Well, going into the Stamshall, let's set the scene for a second. It's pretty legendary that, First of all, Primoz Roglic can win a Grand Tour in a mountain time trial after losing one in a mountain time trial. That's probably the biggest trauma in his life so far. So that would be a big comeback story. The second thing would be Gary and Thomas winning the Giro, a Giro that has always been the bane of his existence during his career as a cyclist. At the age of 37, proving that the old men can also do it on the bike. And then we have... A man who's probably not going to win because kind of lost confidence now that he's on a minute in GC. <laughs> but hey, you never know. It's still possible. One guy on UAE did it before, so that does, that makes it not impossible. But so far, it seems unlikely, I would say. But what is going to happen? We'll see a bike change at the oh, foot yeah, of that Everyone climb. has to bike change. 100% that will happen. But... You know what I think happens? Can't predict it, generally. Almeida wins the TT. And? Roglic beats Thomas in the TT by three seconds. And all their GC gaps stay the same. Okay. They're so close in level. Yeah. I don't see why that would... I mean, hopefully yeah, it's more nah. explosive than that. I, I, I disagree that it's so close and level would lead to, to the TT being a stalemate. And the reason that I think that is Pogacar and Roglic were close in, in level before Planche de Belfia. And in every mountain yeah, time trial I've choked. seen in my life, the gaps Someone were choked. notably... Yeah, but in every mountain time trial I've seen in my life, the gaps were larger than I expected. Yeah. And because of that, I'm like, this, this gaps are going to be larger than we expect because you don't have the factor of being in the same group. You don't have the factor of looking at other people. You've got a factor of riding your own tempo and some riders are better at pacing themselves than others. Some riders are better at pacing themselves on 18% gradients an entire kilometer than other people. And I'll be honest, um, for Roglic, I'm just as traumatized as the majority, the majority of the surroundings are going to tomorrow's time trial, probably, because... Let's hope they don't test the new helmet on him tomorrow. Come on. If, if they do that again, he lose the podium I'm going to piss myself. To Caruso. What, sorry? Can he lose the podium to Caruso? <laughs> Come on, get out of here. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> that I do not see happening. But I feel like... And He's in the was... organizer skin suit. And Almeida's in the organizer skin yeah, suit. Yeah, but... It's on an 18% gradient, so I care less about aerodynamics on 18%, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think it's going to be 
actually a weird TT to watch because I've not, I've never seen anything like this since watching cycling, to be honest. Yeah. So it'll be a spectacle, maybe good, maybe bad. Definitely watching the poor guys who in it, who start at the beginning have to do. I hope their mechanics have changed. Everybody's cassettes. Yeah. Do that climb to get to Rome is crazy. I mean. Like, let's be honest, today's Queen Stage, in terms of the action a, G, uh, a Queen Stage can deliver, pretty, pretty meh. Uh, like, yeah, of course, there was a little bit of a skirmish at the end, but there was just as much action. There was a longer period of action in yesterday's stage. So hopefully the close gaps means that we have movement. I mean, nah, actually, G's too good. G okay. wins the TT. And he puts more time into Roglic and Almeida. I've changed my mind. He's looked I, good. Gar- I agree that Gary Thomas is going to be very strong. He looks very consistent. That's why we trust his consistency going into the time trial as well. But in the time trials, how much do we even value a bloody prologue from at the start of the, the Giro where that time trial, he was weaker on the climbing section, but like, it's three weeks ago. The dude clearly rode into better form by the end of this race than he started with. So. I, I don't have an indicator when it comes to Thomas outside of the fact that he's been consistent the last week. So I expect him to have a consistent time trial. We need a complete overperformance by Almeida to, to make him win the race, which I see a very, very limited chance of doing. And when it comes to Roglic, it's kind of... I'm just scared for Roglic. I'm As not. in, not off him, but f- him. Should have gained time on stages that suited him more earlier in the race. Yeah. But then again, he crashed 17 times. Not before Fossombrone and Campo Imperatore. Should have put the team to pace. Anyway, big TT coming up. Uh, Do we think, okay, first of all, does a motorbike crash on the TT? Yeah, right? Yes. One of them stalls for sure and crashes. Seven of them. Does a rider put his foot down and walk a part of it? Half the peloton. Walk it. Well, probably not half the peloton. Maybe like two people do it. I reckon a few people will walk it if their mechanics have had the night off. Like if and <laughs> didn't change the imagine. Anyway, let us know who you think will win. Uh, maybe Eddie Dunbar will do really well because it suits him like on Bondone and uh, yesterday. Today he struggled a little bit at high altitude. Uh, but Caruso did a really good second TT. I'm really interested to see as well that whole fourth through eighth battle is an enthralling one too. And, you know, Lechnison keeping his top 10 would be cool as well. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to watching it, seeing the results. Let us know who you think wins or wins the Giro tomorrow. It's still up for grabs. At least I think so. Till then. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 